are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Genesis chapter 3, here's Adam and Eve living in a perfect environment. God created everything was good. It was perfect. Yet Adam did like I have done so often. He wanted more. God said, one thing you cannot touch, that tree belongs to me. And Adam and Eve both saw something that God said no. It was a prohibition. You know, I preached several years ago a message on prohibition. There's a lot of, there should be a lot of no's in life. Children ought to know some no's. Seems like everything is yes today. We just capitulate, give in. But there ought to be some no's. There ought to be some no's in marriage. We have a vice president who said about a year ago that he'd never have lunch or travel with another woman without his wife. Oh, the news media thought that was terrible. I thought, well, any man that has a half a brain would never have a lunch with a woman who's not his wife. He said, we have to do that in business. I'd get a different job. I'm not eating with any other woman. See how quiet it gets? We're not protecting our marriage. I certainly don't want my wife having a lunch with another man. It goes both ways, boys. Well, we'll leave that. I just threw that in for free, but it didn't go over very well. Do you know that they wanted one thing they weren't supposed to have? The fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God says, in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Not just physical death, because death began to rot their bodies. The day a child is most alive is the day, the day when they're born because after that they are nearing the last day of their life and corruption begins. But not just physical death, but spiritual death to be separated from God. And all men have been separated by God because we're born sinners. No one had to teach me to lie. It was very natural, lying even to my parents from time to time. It may have been over something small, but it's natural to lie. It's natural to blame. It's natural to criticize. It's natural to have fear. It's natural to have pride because of our sin nature. But God made Jesus to be sin for us. He who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Adam, you can't touch that. You know the story. They touched it. And so we introduced to you verse number nine, our text. Chapter three, verse nine. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, three words. Can we say it together, church? Verse nine, the last three words. Ready, begin. Where art thou? Say it again, please. Will you ready? Where art thou? Here's God coming. Here's Adam and Eve and they're hiding. And God says, where art thou? Let me ask you something. My message is, where art thou? You think God may have known? It's sort of like when your mother or your dad came home from work and you were in trouble 
They knew where you were. Mother sent you to the room. And your dad would say, son, son, are you here? And there was silence in heaven for about a space of 30 minutes. You don't want dad to find you. You don't want mother to find you. God knew. God sees everything. God saw everything I did this week. God knows everything. He knows everything I thought this week. God knows it all. He wasn't asking for his sake. He was asking for Adam's sake. Where art thou? Where art thou? My question to each of us today, myself especially, Jack, where art thou? Where am I spiritually? What, 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 what is it like, Jack, in your heart? Where art thou, Jack? Spiritually. Dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God. Are you dependent upon the Spirit of God? The Holy Spirit guides us into truth. If I did not tell the truth this past week, that means that I did not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God upon my life. If I had fear, I did not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit because God does not give us a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit gives us the spirit, a conquering spirit. He empowers us. Did I witness like I should have? Did I pass tracks or did I back it up? When I'm full of the Spirit of God, I have power in witnessing. When I have the fullness of the Spirit of God, I am being guided by the Holy Spirit of God. He guides me. And he guides me, yes, in the truth, but he guides my steps. When I, when I have the fullness of the Spirit of God, I experience comfort from above, not anxiety. The Spirit of God does that. Hey, Jack, where are you? Spiritually, I have to take inventory. Where are you, Jack, as a steward? Did you waste money this week? Were you careless with money? Did you bring first fruits into me this week, son? What'd you do? We're out there. You know, one of the great questions this week, and I want us to leave here asking the question, everything in life, where are you? Where are you in your marriage? Almost fell off that step right there. I just felt it. First time ever. Behold, I come, honey. You didn't see that, but that was pretty close right there. I just lost my balance. Where are you? <laughs> I'm living on the edge where I'm living. Where are you, Jack? I hope I, hope I will ask that question. I've asked myself this week, no one I'm coming in. I've asked myself that so repeatedly throughout the day. Where are you? What are you doing with my Bible? Where are you with my songs? Where are you spiritually with the Spirit of God? Where are you with the people of God? Where are you with your wife and with your family? Where are you, son? Where are you with the man of God? Where are you with America today? Where are you? And God said a question, where art thou? You know, and I'm still in the direction. I'll get to my message quickly. Sin made such a fool of Adam. Sin made such a fool of Adam. I got thinking about this this week. We are either preparing to sin so often. That's why God says avoid it. Proverbs chapter four. We are making preparation to sin. You might be in this room right now, there's someone at work, and tomorrow 
right now you're making preparation that you'll look the best tomorrow for this man or for this woman at work because there's someone that you are making preparation to flirt with or someone you're making preparation to uh, speak with or someone you're making a preparation to do wrong with. And you're gonna begin a little bit of connection with someone that's gonna lead to something. Where are you? You're either preparing to sin or we're in the middle of sin. I told of a preacher somewhere, I think in our college message recently or somewhere, how that J. Frank Norris, he died in 1952. In the 40s, he stood on a Sunday morning, largest church in America, and he said, tonight I'm gonna expose a man in our church that's living with a woman and you're having an adulterous affair. And he said, I wanna see you in my office this afternoon and I wanna get this thing right, otherwise I'm calling your name. And he was a fearless man. That afternoon, and it sounds humorous, I don't mean it, 13 men came to see him and said, I'm being immoral. Are, are, are we being immoral with our marriage vows? Where are you? We have either, we're either getting ready to sin or we're in the midst of sin. Pornography has plagued our young people in America and our adults as well. It's just plagued us. It is so accessible. It's on a phone. People can get it anytime. And I'm going to tell you something. You cannot conquer if it's there. You cannot conquer it. It's going to get you. I know there are things on my phone I miss out because I don't have all the internet stuff. But you say, well, why? Because I don't trust myself. Put no confidence in the flesh. Better men than me have destroyed their life and their marriage and their family and their ministry. No, we are a step away from destruction. We're either looking towards sin as Sodom is before us, Lot, or we're in sin, or we've just come out of sin. And we live with remorse like David did in Psalm 51. But he fell, but he rose up again. Where art thou, Adam? Turn with me in your Bibles. We're coming right back here. Please turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. New Testament, Galatians 5. Every one of us, male and female, we fight the flesh. There's a war that's going on within our lives every single day. And I know we're supposed to preach all these positive messages today, but there's a battle. The world, the flesh, the devil, there's a battle. Oh, I want to war a good fight as a soldier of Jesus Christ. And he gives us the works of the flesh. In verse number 19, these are the works of the flesh which are manifest, which are these. Adultery, physical immorality, Fornication stated that it's immorality for the unmarried. Uncleanness, what is uncleanness? It's a filthy mind. Everything is dirty. Everything is nasty. Everything is suggestive. Uncleanness, lasciviousness, that is no shame. No shame. I know I was caught doing wrong, but I have no shame about it. He goes on to say what else? Idolatry is placing anything above God. 
Is there something this day in my life or your life that's above God? If there is something, it deals with the world, the flesh, or the devil. And he's talking about the flesh here, idolatry and witchcraft, where we get that word, Greek word, pharmakia, which comes from the English word pharmacy, which is drugs. We think that heroin and cocaine and marijuana is just something new to this society. Historically, there have always been kinds of drugs, different kinds of drugs. My Bible says in the last day, even in the tribulation, people will give themselves over, the Bible says in Revelation 2, pharmakia, witchcraft, which is that which is, which is known as moving into drugs, drug culture. We live in a drug culture today. Perhaps you're sitting here today, and if I ask you, where are you? You say, I'm a drug addict. I'm an alcoholic. I'm a pornography, uh, uh, obsessed with pornography, witchcraft, and hatred. What is hatred? A person, a Christian, who challenges everything. I don't like that rule, I'm gonna do it anyway. I like what my mother, I challenge my mother. I challenge my dad. I challenge the word of God. I challenge the rules at school. I challenge this place. We're always challenging everything. Always fighting about something. He goes on to say, variance, that's a person that just loves strife. Emulations, that's jealousy. Wrath, that's outburst. Explosions. When I was a boy, I would have wrath. I would have explosions. And I can recall one day coming to the point in my life where I realized, and it was false, I blamed the fact that I was a German. Do we have any Italians here today? We have any Hispanics here today? We have any Koreans here today? I don't care what nationality, we all are prone to explosions. Don't blame it on the fact you're Italian. Don't blame it on the fact, Jack, that you're a, a German. Now I hate to come, I, I was blaming something else, but it was me. I got upset. I was angry in my heart. And he says, wrath and, and strife, that's self-seeking. I'm amazed, and that's why I love this book. This book was not self-seeking. It took 37 years to write it. A lot of us go through sorrows in life, and you broadcast it day one on the Internet. You've not even given God any time in your life where you can grow in grace. That's what James chapter 1 is dealing about with the sorrow, the heartache, the health problem that you have. You've not even let God give you any time to turn to him. You've turned to the internet. Most what you post on the internet is foolishness. Most is, the, is to magnify yourself. Look at my nails. Look at my suit. Look at my tie. Look at me, what I just did. Look what I just accomplished. Look what I'm going through. Why would you? I have, I have a sheet of paper, about 25 things I'm adding to it. I've had it written for years, written for years. It's typed up. It's entitled, What I Will and Will Not Do As I Get Old. And one thing I will not do I am not coming to this pulpit and give you an organ recital of all my health problems. I refuse to do that. 
I refuse to spend my ministry from all physical ailments. One of my dear pastor friends, I've been praying that he would just ask me, and I'm such a close friend with him that I would tell him, I'm praying that he will ask me about something. And you know what I would say? Stop talking all the time about your physical problems. God says, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, different difficulties. Knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. And God says he has a reward for you, but not if you're blasted all over the world. <laughs> Pray for me, I've got an infected baby toe. I don't know if I can take so much more of this persecution. What? Pull the toenail off, put a bandaid around it, keep going forward, don't tell anybody. Amen. I've passed you long enough, I know what I'm talking about. I don't know anything about computers. I don't know anything about gadgets and electronics, but I do know what destroys a life that is magnifying your problems and blabbing it to the world. And he says here, self-seeking and sedition and heresies. These are kindred words. Uh, seditions is division and heresies is cliques. We gravitate, gravitate even in the church to people that will help uh, tear us down and people that are not with the work of God and envy, desiring. You have some, I love that tie. I need that tie. I need that tie. Yeah, that tie right there. That's, that's what it's, I, I've got to have what you have. I, I need what you have that's envying and murder self-described and drunkenness controlled by an outside and revelings to riot. Go back, please. I asked the question to Genesis 3, where are you? Where are you with those sins of the flesh? Where are you? I asked myself, by the way, I literally preach this to myself before I speak it to you. And I've asked myself the question. So I, I wrote down in my, even here, where are you? But I wrote down, where am I? My big situation like, where am I? As people are saved for years, they either get sweeter or they become a grump. As people get older in life, they become sweeter and more Christ-like or they become a, 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 a negative grump. I don't want my life in ministry, as one preacher said 100 years ago, to end in a swamp. I want it to be a clean, flowing river of joy and blessing to the people of God. I want to love the things of God. I want to love marriage. I want to love our kids and grandkids and the people of God and the young people and the children and the teenagers and the college and the single adults and the married and the middle-aged and the senior saints. Where are you? Well, the answer comes in verse 10. I heard thy voice. I heard you, God, in the garden. I was afraid. Fear does not come from God. It comes from sin. I was afraid because I was naked. And what did he say? I hid myself. Where was Adam? I'm hiding. We are so foolish. We think we can hide from God. 
I wish I could sing. I wish I remember that song in the 60s. I cannot hide from God. No matter how I try, I cannot hide from God. God, because He's omniscient, all-powerful, God sees everything with my life. God knows everything about me. He knows my downsetting, my uprising. God knows everything about me. And I find in my life, and I love God. God knows I love Him. I love what He's allowed me to do and pastor a church, and I love it all. But I get so weary with me. I think, Lord, how can I be so weak? And I think sometimes we think it always has to be an immoral thing or, or adultery. I'm not speaking about that. You know that fear is depending on your prideful self? Perhaps it's anxiety. He always becomes so anxious. All of us can do that. Perhaps we're so quick to respond and we hear one side of the story, but we don't hear the whole thing. I'm, I'm amazed through the 43 years I've been here how some people leave a church because they heard this side, but they didn't hear the whole thing. Here is Adam hiding. What are you hiding today? I have such great illustrations that are coming to me right now. I cannot give. But I can tell you this. I can tell you why that girl is so bitter. And I can tell you right now why this couple, right? I can tell you because they've been hiding something. You don't pass to 43 years without dealing with people. I think of a situation I had to deal with a few years back. Nobody would know. And that man was hiding something. I think at one time how I had to call the police into my office and they said, we'll come armed. I said, please don't. Are you safe? I'm safe. The situation's right here. There's a school here. I said, I appreciate it if you didn't come. Please, with marked vehicles. Pastor, we can't do that. We've got to. I said, please, I'll be okay. I think of one time where, where a person had to be arrested. I said, please, can we go off campus? Can we go off the property? No. No. I said, can we go to the back? And I'll never pass this area on our property. I won't tell you what property. I'll never pass the area without thinking that's where the police arrested that person. Because be sure your sin will find you out. When your wife knows and learns about what you have been doing and living many times a double life or a wife that's living a double life or a child, we think we're hiding it. What's under our life that we're hiding today? Where are you, Adam? I'm hiding. <laughs> Can't hide from God. Where are you, Adam? Verse 11. God said, who's told thee you are naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree? He was naked. God said, I'll tell you what, not only are you hiding, you're exposed. Your sin is revealed. 
I saw it. I saw you take that fruit. I saw it. And, and then he says, thirdly, where are you, Adam? He begins to make excuses. Well, the woman, watch this, the woman whom thou gavest me. God, it's not my fault, it's your fault. You gave me this lady called Eve. I was doing fine until she came in my life. Oh, real big man, aren't you, Adam? I was doing great to my wife. She just, she brings the worst out of me. No, she brings out what you are. Well, I was doing great till this Jezebel came in my life. You chose her. We blame somebody else. Well, you know, the church, the church, the church has had so many rules on my life. Not as much as this right here. Well, my parents, I was raised in a Christian home and I never got to experience this sin. That was my problem as a teenager in the 60s. All my friends. I went to public school at the bus stop. Everybody in the morning, men and girls, boys and girls, everybody was smoking but Jack. Oh, I wanted to smoke. At lunch break, we had a large school of over nearly 3,000 students and at lunch break or break in the morning, guys would go into the restrooms and girls would go to the restrooms and smokes would be billowing out and someone yelled, teacher coming. And the, the bathroom was filled with smoke and everybody's breath and the teacher said, was anybody smoking in here? Uh, maybe. I, I longed, I longed to do wrong. I felt like I was missing out Monday through Friday. And there was something in my heart Saturday and Sunday at church. I loved church. I loved it. I loved singing. I loved singing with the church. I loved church. I loved church. I loved our youth group. And I felt like such a hypocrite because Monday through Friday I wanted to do wrong. And Saturday and Sunday I wanted to do right. And I'd get home at night and run my prayers. And I wanted to be a good son and, and bless their life and encourage them. I went to school. I wanted to do so wrong. And here is Adam saying, well, it's the woman. It's not me. It's amazing how we blame somebody else and excuse our sin. Verse number 19, he experienced something because of his sin. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat thy bread. He said there's going to come a curse, verse number 15 through 20. And God says, I'm going to put that curse on you because there's always consequences for sin. If you're listening on the internet right now, there's consequences. I'm speaking to myself. I feel like today I'm speaking more to me than I am to you. There's always consequences. I recall we lived on Dutra Way in Fremont little flat-roofed house about 15, 20 minutes from here. And that little house, my mother and dad bought it in 1953. It was $7,000. Had a one-car garage, and most houses did not have garages then. They had detached garages. Many out of back alleyway, you know how that is through the nation. But these are one of those little rubber-stamped homes made right after the war. 
and we moved in. The, the one telephone for the entire long street was a green telephone booth in our front yard. Our telephone number in that area was Sycamore. I'll never forget it. Or if you remember, there used to be Walnut. That, that you had to type out S-Y with Sycamore and then four numbers to follow. Not type out, rotary out. I did something real bad. I can't remember what it was, but I did something bad. I was about five or six. And my mother would normally deal with things, but she said, I want you to go to your room. Your dad's about home. And he is going to deal with you when he comes home. I heard my dad come home. He worked at the Chevy dealership, but he brought the tow truck home, brand new tow truck, beautiful tow truck. He brought it home, left it there at night in case he got a call. And I heard him come in. I thought, oh boy, here he comes, the tyrant. Well, it wasn't his fault, it was mine. And when he came in, I could hear mother and he must have been talking. And he came to my door and said, son, basically what God said. He didn't say, are you in there? He said, Jack, Jack. He knew I was in there. He's tormenting my little heart right now. I said, I'm in here, Dad. He came out, and I'll never forget. He said, Mother told me this. Is that true? I began to blame my sisters. They probably were at fault anyway, because you know how girls are. And I remember my dad said, son, you know there's a consequence. I'm going to have to put you over on my knee and spank you. I, I was raised in that era when you hear the belt come out. It wasn't slapping me in the face. It just spanked me. And he pulled his belt out and he says, lean over my, and I had done something that made him laugh and I never got the spanking. I loaded my backside with books. <laughs> and I had those books back there. And when I bent over his knee, he just started cracking up. <laughs> there were consequences that time, thank God for grace. <laughs> and you and I both have experienced a lot of grace. But you don't get away with it day after day after day. Adam, where art thou? Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.